Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. Boston Bruins fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 312, and it's brought to you and you and you and you by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50 because it helps us pay the bills here at the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company. And also, we have giveaways. We have lots of other stuff that we, uh, if you're going to get involved here, we've got hand-signed jerseys that we give away on our Patreon account. We'll talk about that a little later. But I am not going to waste any more of this gentleman's time right here. That is Cam Manning. You can follow him at Cam underscore Manning 133. And he is the um, new blackandgoldhockey.com writer for us over at Black and Gold Productions. And uh, welcome to the show, Cam. Thank you for uh, filling in. Yeah, no worries, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Ready to talk some Bruins hockey, baby. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited to have a, a a partner on board today. Unfortunately, Steve Forney could not uh, join me today um, due to some scheduling issues and family time. And we've got to respect the family time. And when a man says he has to be with family, I'll make other plans any day at all. But I miss Steve, and uh, we were going to record yesterday, but I had some uh, personal family stuff come up that we just couldn't couldn't get a recording done yesterday but um again i just want to thank cam for his time today filling in and giving me somebody to to uh, you know deflect off of with, with these questions um and we do have a bunch of uh viewers from the youtube and other social media uh outlets um uh chiming in looking in now so uh please keep the conversation going with uh with bruins topics uh send them in the in the live chat 
and uh, we'll, Cam and I will do our best to uh, answer them accordingly. And we do have one already, and that's Christopher Briggs, Ghost Rider. And he says, sup, guys. I love the sup. Sup. <laughs> it's funny. So, But, yeah, we're just here talking Boston Bruins hockey. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on, a lot of topics. Feel free to chime in. And, like I said, keep that conversation going. Um, I don't know. Uh, why don't we start off by – uh, hearing about our new colleague, Cam Manning, he, can't, he comes over to us uh, from Emerson College, and, and he's doing a great job. Uh, he's only been here a short time, but really uh, busting ass so far. And uh, so, Cam, tell us about uh, what you're doing over at Emerson, your journalistic uh, aspirations, and, um, and your, obviously your Bruins fandom. Yeah, so I've been a Boston kid, born and raised. I live in Wakefield, Massachusetts currently, and, you know, ever since uh, – I've been a little, I've been following the Bruins with Jack Edwards and Andy Brickley commentating and from Lucic to Sagan to PJ Axelson to Phil Kessel in the early Bruins days, I've been following the bees and been a big fan. I, I remember like it was yesterday when they won the cup back in 2011. And I remember the Mark Recchi sign or the trade from Mark Recchi and just the impact that he had and, you know, just a lot of great Bruins players that I've witnessed throughout my career, my uh, watching of the Bruins, especially Patrice Bergeron. He's my all-time favorite. Uh, and, you know, journalistic aspirations for Emerson, just uh, trying to be well-versed in the sports world, like my man Mark here, just writing, podcasting, just trying to emulate what you do, Mark, for BNG. We really appreciate all the work you do, and I'm really happy to be a part of this team, so... Awesome. Thank you very much, man. Pump those tires. I love it. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, we do have some questions. Uh, and obviously, if anybody if anybody out there that's um, listening via the podcast or viewing us on the live stream or watching later on, um, uh, you know, on demand, we are looking for more writers like Cam. If you if whether you're at Emerson College, which is huge for for journalism and, and a lot of great sports writers come out of uh, Emerson good content creators as well um and uh shout out to them but if anybody else you don't have to be a journalism major or anything like that to join us if you if you have if you have the time to contribute once a week an article that's 500 words about the bruins something that you create your own topic you want to do a video you want to do a podcast we have plenty of platforms for people to join us if you have that Boston Bruins passion and you have the voice and the and the words to express how you feel about the team, respectively, of course, you know. Yeah, yeah. we do have we do have credentialed opportunities. We've got the the NHL, we've got the uh, the American Hockey League, and we've got the East Coast um, with the Maine Mariners as well. So if you live in those general areas and you want to, you know, get close to a player, ask a coach a question. There's plenty of opportunities for that if you want to create the content and. We just welcome new people, new ideas, and, and we want to grow this company even further. And and to be honest, that is going to be like the next generation of, of folks like you, Cam, coming out of Emerson and, and jumping right into platforms like this, which I consider like a minor pro kind of system for writers because we've had several people go to Nesson, NHL.com, uh, NBC. You know, there's, there's countless of uh, outlets out there that people have advanced from here. So kind of a proud moment for us yeah yeah i agree mark and just just build off of what you've been saying i think it's 
really in my light that it's not really I mean it's it's a place for Bruins fans to express their fandom and express the their views on the team and really just involving themselves with black and gold productions has really shaped and enhanced my writing and really just learning from you and Gail and all the other people at at BNG has really helped me along the way. So hopefully I can stick for a long time and hopefully I'll just keep pumping all that content, baby, pumping those tires for this, for this company. That's awesome. I love it. All right, let's get to some of these questions because um, that's what we're here for. We're here to hear from them and get content and, uh, and, you know, answer as many of these questions as possible. Uh, Christopher comes in and he says, are they going to sign pasta? Are they close? Well, I'll tell you, Elliot Friedman came out last night, uh, I believe it was Hockey Night in Canada, and mentioned something about that the conversation are are the conversations with Pasternak and his agent, and obviously the um, the Boston Bruins organization have progressed. And uh, whether it's a good progression, a step back, or whatever, that's it's uh, you know hard talent not knowing. But um, I I do feel comf- comfortable that this Boston Bruins organization is going to get a deal done. I don't believe it's going to be a deal that's going to be record-breaking, you know, McDavid money and so on. I think it's – honestly, I think it's going to be in between 11 and 12 million. Uh, What are your thoughts on on the pasta uh, negotiations, how long it's kind of seemingly dragged – drag their feet from all aspects, not just Don Sweeney and and Bruins management because Boston Bruins fans love to hammer the fact is that they think that Don Sweeney's dragging his feet here. It went, when I know, I don't know, you know, personally and so on, but I have a feeling JP Barry and his, and his track record with, with other players going right up to the 11th hour of, of getting a deal done. He loves to drag his feet as well. So Thoughts on everything, Cam, about the David Pasternak negotiations? Yeah, um, I think that, I mean, the more games he plays this season, the more points he continues to rack up, the more the price tag goes up, I think, for a guy like him. And I think that, you know, he's putting up these historic stats. I mean, he's having a great season already, really driving that line, the check line with him, Krejci, and Zaka. And, you know, he's good wherever you play him. You know, first line, second line. I mean, he's just a generational talent. And I think that – I don't think the Bruins are dragging out anything. I think they're being careful with the negotiations. And I think that the deal will eventually get done. I think they won't let him go in free agency. Absolutely not. I think they'll lock him up. Now, there's benefits here. And and I know I'm going to sound wrong for saying this. I'm not a pastor hater. I don't want to move and so on. But if it does come down to the 11th hour on, you know, March 3rd, the trade deadline, and nothing gets done, how confident are you feeling after that? Because now we know that if it goes past the third, he wants to test the free agent market. And it, 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 sometimes I, I got to kick myself in the ass for saying this, but if it comes down to that, it's almost like you got to get something before he walks for nothing. Right. Right. No, I, I mean, again, you're talking about the top five goal scorer, a top five goal scorer in the league right now. And behind like the likes of Tage Thompson, Connor McDavid, but you're also, talking about a guy that uses his, he's such a skillful player 
that will go for high that will go for, like if you're selling high then you're gonna then you're gonna try to sell higher the trade deadline for him. Then you're gonna get a king's ransom in return. Maybe fuel that prospect system that's ranked near the bottom of the league with some highly touted prospects and first round picks to retool for the Bruins. If it, I'm saying that's worst case scenario. I don't want to right, see him right. test. Like I want to see pasta in a black and gold sweater for a long time. But if you are laying out this scenario, then you will get a king's ransom for David Pasta. Not come, come trade deadline season if you were to test that if you were to test free agency and you want to get something for Pasternak then yeah King's Ransom would be my short answer if you were to test the trade deadline market so yeah it's it's definitely an interesting question um you know getting down closer and closer to the deadline um and it, you know there's another valid question out there that if it, even if if David Pasternak isn't on this Boston Bruins team can they get back the assets to to really push for a, a Stanley Cup this year if they have to move them? And you know, I, I'm saying I don't want to move them. I want to see, I want to see him here for a long time. He just seems like he's happy here, gets along with his teammates. Um, but you know, contract negotiations are always a, a stickler when it when it comes down to you know how long you want to be in a certain area and and your market value. And and, and it's valid that. They, you know, all sides wait, uh, you know, to get a, a, a good deal done. But, you know, I mean, the, the salary cap is going up a million dollars. I mean, that's kind of guaranteed, even though Gary Bettman kind of poo-pooed on the, on the idea of it may rise as far as four million next season. But mm-hmm. I believe if, if, if it goes up a million this coming season, I believe it'll jump after that a, a, a significant bunch. So there will be money available if he wants to get that paid. And if the Bruins like if the Bruins like match him at 13, Jesus, that's kind of a, you know, a heavy, a heavy payload on your, on a sal- salary cap that you're basically giving, I think 10% of your, of your available cap to him. That doesn't make, you know, other deals feasible to try to, keep the ball rolling when you're trying to get in uh, other players and free agents. So, so many different yeah. avenues can be, can be talked about this conversation. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. And especially since like, I mean, I, I don't want to like, like you said, break the salary cap for the Bruins and, may, and have them handcuffed for other potential deals. And I don't think, I mean, if it pasta serious about winning and everything and everything says so far this season that he is just like, I wouldn't say that he signs like a not like a, a like a like a seven times eleven sort of deal, not like breaking the bank like seven times thirteen, like you pointed out, that breaks the salary cap. But I feel like seven years, eleven million dollars in that range is probably worth it for Pasternak. If you, I'm not sure if you would agree with that. Uh, I, I mean, I I'd love to see it if 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 Don Sweeney can like talk him down and say, Hey, we, we want to do everything cap friendly from here and he gets a deal done. Then good on Sweeney for talking him down. But I kind of feel Pasternak's that type of player that is going to want to, this is basically his second big contract, you know, mm-hmm. coming out of an entry level deal six years ago. I think that he's going to want to get paid and I think the Bruins are going to have to pay him or they're going to lose him. So uh, moving on to another topic, Jason, Larade, I'm a big fan of him. I, I I really think I keep saying his last name wrong, and I apologize, Jason. 
but uh he's always in here he's really a really good supporter um he says what do you guys think about the uh, zaka deal the zaka deal happened last night a uh, little post uh maple leafs uh victory and um yeah they dropped the news that he signed for four million and 4.75 uh yeah any idea what that sound is because it's like driving me kind of crazy is it you or is it me? I don't I don't know if it's me or not because it just sounds like somebody's like tapping a mic like da 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 I don't know oh. what it is. Oh okay. Uh I, I don't hear anything. Okay. All right. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> but uh anyway, the uh yeah, so Pavel Zaka is sticking around for four more years. Um and I think it's a pretty decent deal. Um I, I kind of think that this is more or less an emergency situation for the Bruins and their mm-hmm. in their fu- in the immediate future because we don't know what's going to happen with uh, with Trees Bergeron after this season. We don't know what's going to happen with David Krejci after this season. So I kind of have a feeling that this was one of those things that you know if the free agent market is thin on centers that they might want to get this deal done as soon as possible. Now. A lot of people are going to go to the narrative of his point production. And I'm th- that's a valid point. If you're playing in a top six role and you're making that amount of money, yeah, you would like to see your point production move. But I'm willing to take a chance on that and say that if, say, Krejci doesn't return next season, you could easily slot Zaka right into the middle on the second line. And I think he'll be productive uh, point-wise as well. Um, maybe not, you know, Masha and Pasternak points and so on. I'm not saying he's going to be a, you know, a, a lamplighter every night, but more or less that type of sustainable, uh, player up the middle, like a Charlie Coyle, he could be that bigger type of guy that's got that puck possession and so on and kind of seamlessly fit right into basically a role that, uh, that Eric Haller had that he got traded for last season. Yeah. I also think that, like you said, Charlie, like the thing that, strikes me about Pavel Zaka's his 200 foot game and his ability to make the e- to make himself available for the easy exit zone pass for the defensive zone really takes the burden off the defense like a Charlie Coyle like a Patrice Bergeron I mean he's thrived under Jim Montgomery's system about being a 200 foot player I think he's really responsible in all three zones and like you said building off of that puck possession for Charlie Coyle and he's he can be that type of guy and Oh my God, Mark, it was crazy when the two on one where he hit the post uh, last night. Oh my God. I think he's cursed. I think he's cursed. He's had a couple granted. He's had a couple of amazing plays. I think back to that Vegas game where he had that slick saucer pass to Jake DeBrusque. That was an incredible pass. And he's, he's, he's a top 10 pick. He's a, he was number six in the entry draft by the devils. And granted he hasn't posted that point production throughout his career, but he's, He's a steady player, and I think you need steadiness when you don't know what Bergeron's future is like or Krejci's future is like down the middle. Um, And especially with the free agency at center, I mean, a lot of people have been discussing, like, the Bruins and their ties to maybe, like, like teams like Bo Horvat for the Vancouver Canucks for a long-term fix at center. He's a pending UFA this year. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that and if the Bruins – go after a guy like Horvat at the deadline and do like a Hampus Lindholm situation last year where they'd sign and trade him and sign him to that long-term deal. 
to maybe have that more of a buffer? Or do you think that Zaka deal is that buffer for the center position now? Well, uh, that's a lot to unpack there, Cam. And it, no, it's, and it, it's all very well questioned. Um, for me, I, I like Bo Horvat. And boy, would I love to see a player like that on the Boston Bruins. But if we're going to, if, if our intentions are only to win this season, then you, you would definitely make, try to make a move like that. If you could do it under the salary cap and you have the assets that, that um, the Vancouver Canucks are going to want in return, who knows? But for me, I would say no. And, and it's the only reason why is because I just don't think that we should be giving away draft picks because like you said earlier, this Boston Bruins team, and I've, and I've repeated this several times. I'm sure my listeners and viewers are getting sick and tired of me hearing this. The Boston Bruins organization, in fact, needs to replenish this prospect pool. Yes, the Providence Bruins are doing really well down in Providence, and, um, and they're second in the, Ameri- in the um, American Hockey League Atlantic Division. But they have, they have good plug-and-play players down there for depth. It's not homegrown talent that you've drafted and you've brought through the system and so on. These are guys that are coming out of free agency, out of the NCAA, and making really good progress down there, like like uh, Georgie McCuloff and you know uh, and, and some other players like him. So we need to be better at, at drafting and getting the prospect line up and running and so on. Um, and and I do want a Stanley Cup in 2023. There's no doubt about it. But do, do we want to win a cup and then suck for the next 10 years in, in your prospects and trying to rebuild? I just I just don't see how that's beneficial either way. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I feel like, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a period. I mean, obviously the end goal would be to win a cup and still have assets to keep the train to keep the ball moving and keep that cons- model of consistency through the next couple of seasons. But do you think that like this could be Bergeron's last ride and that like go all in for him and get that last cup for him. And then, you know, embrace the embrace that feeling of, of sucking the next couple of years in order to replenish that prospect pool. Or do you think that this team is deep enough to make a run now? I think they're deep enough to make a run now. And, you know, and I will get to Jacob's, uh, Jacob Olet's question up there right after uh, this. But, uh, yeah, I think they have the assets to do it now. Um, why, why fix what's not broken? We still have a little bit of ways to get to the March 3rd deadline. So there's still a lot of evaluations that are going to go on. I'm sure, I'm sure mm-hmm. Sweeney and, and Montgomery have daily talks about, you know, if we add this player, how do you think it would fit? Videos are probably being watched about how a player reacts, you know, and, and people are reaching out probably about, you know, a character. Does this guy fit in our locker room and our goal of winning the Stanley Cup this year? So there's so many different things that can be going on right now. And I, you know, I, if, if you want to add, absolutely. But it's just like you just got to do it for the right price and the right reason, you know. Right. And like Don't I said, I, I, I want to get another one of these. You know, Stanley Cup tattoo. <laughs> you know, I do want to get a 2023 one. So, you know, on the other side or somewhere else on the body. So, you know, but I also don't want to do it at a price that, you know, 
the Corey Promins at the Athletic and all these other um, you know prospect writers are, are constantly ranking the Boston Bruins in the high thirties. And I get yeah. why they do that because, believe it or not, when you look at all those rankings on those on those prospect uh, writings and blah blah blah, you see they're all competitive teams. So to be a competitive team in this league, you you sometimes have to give to get. I get that. I totally get it. But it also depletes a lot of your your future progression and so on. Like Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is right up there as well. They're a great, great hockey team, but their farm system has been depleted by, you know, making these deals to to get players that obviously have gotten them to the promised land. You know, those those puzzle pieces that make things work. And, you know, I understand that the Boston Bruins still have to do that, but there's still, what's the price? And what are you willing right. to do for, for a one-year freaking, you know, duck boat ride? Yeah. No, it's a very good question to ask, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Because obviously, historic season, they're obviously buyers. There's no question about it. It's not like they're treading water or anything. They're the best team in the league. So it'll be interesting to see what they go out and do. And, you know... You make a good point. I mean, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, you have a lot of guys like the Connor Cliftons of the world that are stepping up big time, leading this team in shots blocked and hits on this team. You know, like, look, like guys that are having excellent seasons so far this year. So it's hard to figure out. You don't want to break that chemistry mold, that good group that you have going on right now either. No, I totally agree. Let's get to um, Jacob Olette's question. But I, first, I want to give an update on the standings. So the Boston Bruins, after 42 games played, have 33 wins, five losses, four OTs for 70 points, which is league leading. Uh, they are currently 21-3 and three on, at, on home ice and 13-4-1 on the road. And in the last 10, they have a 7-1-2 record. Still a wagon, in my opinion. I don't care about the the the, the minuscule losses last week against teams that they should have beaten, but still, this team comes together. I love the way that they they respond after a bad game, like Thursday night's game. I thought was very lackluster against a team that I thought they could beat in the Seattle Kraken, and not to discredit Seattle or anything like that, but they've been doing pretty good themselves. Like they they score goals. They're a fast team, so. But still, you had three days rest coming off of a West Coast trip. I, you know, that's the most frustrating for me over the years. And this, Cam, this goes back to so many years. When they go on a road trip, you're almost guaranteed that when you come back, it's a scheduled loss, that first one. It's it's so frustrating. But also, it's the freaking, um, it's the days of rest that just get me going. But what I love about this team and the Jim Montgomery system is – yeah, the next game is not the same. You don't see that. So it was night and day between Seattle on Thursday and last night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Really good to see the Toronto Maple Leafs back in, uh, you know, in the fold, starting to get some more of these, these, you know, teams that we haven't seen in a while. Like we haven't even played Montreal yet. How crazy is that? And we're not that, playing Montreal until March. That is crazy. And you know, Montreal is one of those bottom tier teams. They got a lot of good young talent like Nicole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki and Kirby Doc. They just acquired this past offseason. They got a lot of good young talent. And it's crazy to me. Toronto, like, I want more of those games. Like last night for like a playoff atmosphere, and it was electric from start to finish. Yeah. We had jaw dropping saves 
Austin Matthews had an, a surreal goal to tie the game. Gave a little celly to the Boston crowd, which I mean, oh, like that mustache is so bad. I know it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's so bad, but um, like more divisional games like that, like that's the type of stuff we tune in to watch. Like those that playoff atmosphere like games, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, granted. The Leafs might not play the Bruins in the first round this year, but like they may have to go through Tampa Bay to get to us. But like again, another Bruins Leafs seven game series would be electric. Like that game yeah. last night had me on the edge of my seat the entire game. It was unbelievable. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what my that's exactly what the, my wife Courtney said. It's like wow, it just feels like a real playoff game, and they actually look like they even though the score was four to three. They actually look like they were putting in a sixty-minute effort, and I was like, "Wow, that's 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 pretty valid." That was like probably the uh, the best sixty-minute effort we've seen in a long time. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and, you know. Oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I just want to get to Jacob's uh, question up here because it's been hanging high, hanging tight. Not to discredit anything, and this is because I, I read all that stuff about the uh, the standings and so on. Not to discredit anything the Bruins have done this season. But how much of their success would you contribute to the amount of teams actively sucking for Bedard? Chicago, Montreal, San Jose, and he also goes on to uh, mention Arizona and Anaheim. I don't know about this one, to be honest with you, Jacob. Um, I'm not a fan of tanking. We talked about it on the um, on the podcast last week. Uh, I don't like that at all. It's just it's just a practice that I don't know. I'd rather see not happen, but. Teams do do it. So um, I I just think that I don't care about those teams and what they're doing. I just think that the Boston Bruins bring something to the table every game that makes them different and above everybody else, uh, That whether you're sucking or not. And I don't like the Boston Bruins when they play down to their competition either. That's that's another right. frust- frustrating thing. But no, I, I don't believe that, that that to be true, Jacob, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, considering that most of them are Western Conference teams and we haven't played Montreal yet, I mean, I'm pretty sure that, like, I'm not sure if they if that has any correlation with the Bruins' success compared to Connor, but like the teams that are actively signing for Bedard. Because we have, we played, we pl- obviously played San Jose and Anaheim out in the West Coast swing. But I mean, I wouldn't, those are just two wins out of what, 35 that they've had? Again, and they've beaten formidable opponents. I mean, they've just—I just don't see any correlation between that and Bedard, the Bedard race. So, right. Uh, TB coming in uh, with a, a, a question, uh, dovetailing some of the pasta or the uh, Zaka talk. And thank you for tuning in, TB. I truly appreciate it. I'd be amazed if Sweeney signed Zaka without having an idea of what Pasta's contract will be. That is a valid point. And that's one thing that I forgot to touch on when we did talk about this a little earlier is it just seems like the band's just getting all brought in together for a, you know, somewhat of a longer term. Um, and why not sign one of your, your you know, your, the native sons of your country to, to be along for the ride as well for, for a short term. You know, I, I honestly think that Pasternak going to get a, a full eight year ride, you know, and, and get paid, but why not half of that? be with uh, his countryman, Pavel Zaka, and, and who knows about, you know, David Krejci and so on, or, or they go out and get another uh, Czech Republic player or Czechia, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know, um, I'm just, 
I just want, hopefully, I, I just want to see something done. I've heard a couple things roaming around that I just don't dare to put on Twitter at all, but I kind of, there's a lot of people that I, I communicate with that have sent like nuggets that there was a December 31st, like kind of deadline, personal deadline for, for Pasternak and where he wanted to get a deal done. And we're obviously past that now. So uh, hopefully that the, the negotiations are, are, you know, going forward in a positive note. And that's something that's not going to be a negative reflect, but it's just something that I heard, but I really didn't want to put it out there because I don't know. It was just, it was, it was one of those gambles, you know, those tweets that you're like, Jesus, I do want to say something, but I really don't. But here I am doing it on a live fucking platform. So <laughs> go figure. No. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just it's just interesting to see interesting to see the developments out of both Pasternak's camp and the Bruins camp uh, about the contract negotiations. And fingers crossed the deal gets done sooner rather than later. I don't wanna go into your situation that you named earlier about having to wait till the trade deadline, then having to have this you're in limbo. Do you trade him, maximize his return, or do you yeah. let him walk for nothing? You know, I mean, like, I, I mean, if I, I just want to get a deal done between just now. That'd be now would be great. I mean, even if it broke during this pod, even if it broke during this podcast, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> you know, it just like just something to get it done because he's really an invaluable, like a very valuable player to this team, and I think that he's just. He's just a consistent 40 goal scorer every year. He's just been that model of consistency and he's such a creative yep. player with the puck. Even though the turnovers sometimes drive me crazy, but Oh you know, my god. Thank you for bringing that up. The turnovers drive Dave. me crazy. Turnovers His drive me crazy. Entries. His zone entries, they they frustrate me. They really do. When he is like when there's a stretch pass going up to the red line and he needs to cross that blue line, his creativity is just not enough for me because more or less all the defender has to do is just come out and just poke the puck away and it's gone the other way. I really like when Hall works with Pasternak because I like Hall's zone entries way more better than Pasternak's. Now, here's the thing is like I I would like to see Jim Montgomery change his system around to allow somebody else to make those entries. And then have Pasternak come in layers where he could be sneaky and kind of weasel his way over to uh, Ovechkin's office and, and tee up that one-timer, you know? That's the type of stuff I'd rather see. I don't want to see him leading the puck anymore. And I've wanted to ask uh, Jim Montgomery when I've had the the NHL credentials to, um, to uh, be on the ninth floor and go down to level three and talk to the coach. I've always wanted to ask if he has any concerns with those own entries and is there a better asset that he has uh, to get further into the zone when, when that lines out there? Yeah, no, absolutely. The, the turnovers are just one thing, but I mean, anything else he's, he's dynamite at. He's just, you know, I, it, it drives, it does drive me crazy. There's a, there was a couple of plays last night during the power play where they just couldn't get in the zone. It was like, Oh my God. Just, just dump and chase at that point. Just get it in deep and go after it. You know what I mean? Like enough with this, you know, drop it. I mean, I like when they drop it back and they gain speed through the neutral zone, but like all the defender has to do is stick his stick out and it's a, it's turnover and it bleeds clock in the power play. So it's just. Marshan's guilty for that too. Mar no, Marshan's I'm not saying, guilty yeah. for that too. You know, uh, I, I just want to. the only one. 
Right, exactly. A uh, old friend, Pejman Hajiji, and hopefully I got that right because my New England accent does not say words on names like that very good. <laughs> and I'm old and whatever, but Pejman has been around for a while. Thank you, brother, for stopping in and checking out the live stream today. And he says, on one hand, 88 can make as much as, oh, can't make as much as McDavid. Best player in the league, a center, 88 is neither. On the other hand, I'd rather overpay, and if he cripples your cap, trade him for a haul in a few years. Kind of a valid point. A different way of looking at this conversation, um, Pejman, and and I respect that. But yeah, I mean, uh, I'm constantly thinking about the future and not just what's going to happen today because uh, I've been so disappointed in, in years past. Yeah, I mean, you've seen uh, 13, 19, and so on. Those teams were, like, built to win cups, and, and at the end, it was just not enough. Um, but I don't know. I, I just I, – I, I don't know how much I value him making $13 million and just what does it do for the future of the salary cap? Uh, who's going to be a cap casualty? Because I don't want to, I do not want to be in a situation like Chicago was for so many years when they were like drafting really well, like Antine Prenier and Taro Taravine and, and, and all these other freaking really good high caliber players uh, from around the world. And then all of a sudden their, their, their salary cap dictated their movement. Like they had to be moved. They, they just cycle through players, cycle through players to be cap compliant. So I don't know. I'm just I look at everything by several different angles to make sure it it, it sounds good to me and if it's going to work or not. But sometimes it's just uh, you don't want to overpay, but you also don't want to lose the right. player. So you got to give right. to get when you when you even when you're talking in um, in contract negotiations. No, absolutely, and I I do agree with Pejman. I mean, Connor McDavid's on another world this year, and he's def Pasternak's great, but he's no McDavid, like Pejman right. said. You know what I mean? Like McDavid's on a historic pace right now for points. And, you know, it's not like Pasternak's, I mean, Pasternak's are like a point per game player and he's top five in goals. That's great, but he is, he's no Connor McDavid. So, I mean, I agree with Pejman on that. I think it's very, it's a limbo. It's, you know, you gotta, gotta figure out how to keep the player, but you don't want to overpay. And if he does want too much money, do you send him, do you trade and get a haul? Like Pejman makes a great point. So it's a good, it's a great question to ask. It's a great question to ask. Duncan, he comes in with another question uh, on the uh, Pasternak re-signing. How does Zaka signing affect Pasternak? Uh, Think about that check connection. Probably right there. Is, is you know we, we're getting our homeboys together the Czech mafia, which uh, some <laughs> fo- some folks have said uh, is a is a real thing. Um, yeah, but why not? You know, uh, I think I I just think that you look at Nick Foligno. Nick Foligno last year, I was not happy about his addition. I got the uh, leadership and and blah 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 and all that. And I understood that he was probably fighting through a pretty significant injury that held him back from what he's like doing this year. But I also didn't give a person like Nick Foligno enough credit to adjust, you know, and, and that's something that folks, Bruins fans, hockey fans in general need to understand that when you move your family to a new area, 
it's not just you moving along. It's your family as well. You have to adjust to those systems, those styles, meeting new friends. Several people have talked about it on podcasts recently, and we're seeing the benefits of that now. Now, Chris, I mean, Chris Nosek, uh, Thomas Nosek might not be a great example of this, but last year I was not happy with his game and particularly was not happy with his uh, his preseason uh, effort. But then the regular season started. We saw a better uh, Thomas Nosek. Again, uh, with Nick Foligno, he had a whole year last year to adjust here with his family and so on in the situation. We're getting a better Nick Foligno out of him. Linus Allmark, the same thing. Play, appeared in 41 games last year, split time with Jeremy Swayman. He had a full year. And then look what we're, we're seeing right now. We're seeing a Vesna trophy candidate in the making. And it's not, and we just passed, just passed the halfway mark of the NHL 2022 23 season. It's absolutely crazy. So, kind of went off on a tangent there. Sorry, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, as you should. I mean, like, there's a lot going into this, and a lot can be said about adjusting to a new surrounding for new players. And, like, you know, it, it takes time. Like it's you people keep people often forget that like professional athletes are humans too. And they actually have other stuff going on personal wise, personal family things going on. And being traded is never easy, especially when you're constantly like a journeyman on the move and stuff, constantly adjusting to new environments. So I think it's just all about timing and getting readjusted. Like you said, Mark, I think that it's all about, Adapting to a new situation, I think Nick Foligno and Thomas Nosek are great examples of that. Based on their last year's play, translating to this year's play. I mean, Nick Foligno looks like a brand new player like this year. He's, he's really, really been the catalyst on that fourth line. He's had some slick passes. Like that pass to Trent Frederick in the Kings game when he was behind the net in, Bob, in, in Gretzky's office. Oh my God, it was beautiful for the second goal of the game to give him a 5-3 lead. It was beautiful. Speaking of Nick Foligno, before we move on to another question from our awesome folks in the uh, in the live chat, did you watch the uh, behind the B kind of minute video that the Bruins Twitter put out of uh, Nick Foligno in the locker room? Just really asking, put in the extra ten percent on top of that hundred. Let's go out there. Let's be that best second half Boston Bruins team that we've been all season. His leadership is really, really coming out. It's really good to, you know, have a guy like that in the locker room as well. But we, I remember you talking about Mark Recchi to start this program. This is type. This is the kind of feeling I'm getting from 2011 and so on. Mark Recchi came here, didn't do it in the first year, said he was coming back. They got it done in 2011. Kind of feels the same way here with a veteran like Nick Foligno. Um, and I'm, I'm proud to eat crow. I'll eat a whole buffet of that of those uh, black feathers in my face. You know, that's fine. But what we're seeing from Nick Foligno and others on this team has been absolutely amazing. We've seen turnarounds of Trent Frederick, who Monty said would, would is really he expects to have a bigger year. And guess what? He has. He expected Jake DeBrusque to have a bigger year and be a bigger impact player. Guess what? He was. And he did before he got injured at the um uh, Winter Classic. And people also forget that Nick Felino was a captain with Columbus for the longest exactly. time. Like, if people forget that. And Nick Felino's leadership is off the charts. I did, to answer your question, I did watch that behind the bees scene. 
uh, it was really motivating. And having guys like Nick Felino and Patrice Bergeron, the ultimate team players, the ultimate perfect human beings, is like unbelievable. Run through a wall material. What run, run through, through the wall a wall material. material. Literally, <laughs> literally. Like I'd run through a wall for Patrice Bergeron and Nick Felino. Their leadership has been off the charts this year, and it's really cat it really has translated on the ice and off the ice with this team. So can't say enough about those two players and their leadership roles. Christopher Briggs comes in. Thank you for tuning in, Chris, and, and participating with the questions. He says, Mark, is there any chance someone from Providence can step up at center in the future? I believe so, uh, Christopher. I I, I uh, cover the Providence Bruins pretty thoroughly. Um, love the minor pros. Uh, Georgie Mikuloff is one that could be uh, up, but he's a versatile player. He could play the left and the uh, and the center position. Um, I think Johnny Beecher, after uh, this season, possibly next year of, of, of another minor pro year with Providence, I think that he could seamlessly fit right into like a fourth line center role. I know a lot of people are not happy about his 2016 uh, addition in the first round you know, that people are reaching and, and blah, blah, blah. But I honestly think that Beecher is is one of those players that just is needs a little bit more time to develop. And he's not just that, that first round pick that's going to, um, you know, you know, make everybody wild, much like Trent Frederick did in 2016. I, I like Yuna Kapanen and I want to talk about him as well. I, I Yuna got a, um, a call up. And one of the reasons why he was called up was obviously was, hey, you busted your ass down in the minor pros for for, for many years. And um, he is a thank you game and so on. But he's also a good penalty killer. He's probably the best penalty killer in, uh, the depth of this organization has, believe it or not, outside of the uh, the Boston Bruins current lineup. And uh, he's good in the faceoffs. Five or seven in that night. You know, he did a good job going in there for, for uh, Thomas Nosek, who was injured and has a, has a hand injury that prevented him from doing face-offs. Now, here's my thing about Yuna and, and Nosek is if you're that injured and you can't take a face-off, why are you in the lineup? If, you're, yeah. if, you, can't, if you can't take a face-off, how much stress on your hand, regardless if it's the upper part, which is not doesn't move – a ton or your lower part where it, it's constantly riding up and down the shaft, sick, sick, sick people get your thoughts out of there. But um, yeah. Why, why play him? Why play him and not somebody that's healthy and, and so on. So I think Ayuna uh, should have been in uh, for a couple games, not just uh, the, the game against done. the Kraken. Yeah. 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 And then he got sent back down to Providence um, you know, and, uh, and, you know, Chris Wagner was also, and the Wagner thing drives me nuts because everybody's like, why not give Wags a freaking longer chance? He was, he, he was only brought up for the purpose of being an extra forward on the California road trip. The Boston Bruins have been notorious for doing stuff like this because Providence to California is pretty freaking far away. If you need to make an immediate call. Like that on Thursday night when they played the Kings, if something happened, they would have to get somebody across the country. Why not carry an extra forward so you minimize all that travel? It's not hard to figure out. Everybody was just like, sense. the mayor, the mayor, oh, this and that. I like Chris Wagner and everything like that, but he was doing 
he was doing the organization a, a very good service by being that extra guy uh, that break glass in case of emergency. Yeah, no. Chris Wagner has been, you know, Walpole native, hometown guy, just like Charlie Coyle, Weymouth. Home yeah, I love home, the homegrown talent, the homegrown guys, Massachusetts. Um, but you know, Wagner was Wagner to your point. I didn't realize, I didn't realize that when you said it, it makes complete sense. Why, why do, why make them travel all that way? If the, someone's like gets injured or something, rather than carry that extra forward, that makes a ton of sense to me. I didn't realize, I didn't realize that was the point of the call up. I thought it was because something injury, someone got injured and they give him wags a, a shot at the fourth line, right wing or center position. I didn't know. I didn't know what the call up was for. Yeah, the California. Well, it, that makes sense. It was also it was also a call up to fill that roster spot because you have twenty three men, and you could call him up because Jake DeBrusque is now out. But a lot of people took my tweet and I I broke the news about the um, the Wagner call up, and everybody was like, "Why would they call up Wagner? Are you going to put uh, Marchand, Bergeron, and Wagner on the first line? It's not going to work." And I constantly said, no, Wagner is not going to be brought up to be a, a Jake DeBrus replacement. There's going to be an upshift in, in the roster. And right. Chris Wagner is going to be right at the bottom, grinding it out in the fourth line. Um, let's move on to another question. Pejman coming in with another one. Thank you, sir. Uh, biggest need for deadline. Mine would be one of be one top four defenseman to play with McAvoy or Lindholm. To split, to split them up. I don't feel great about Carlos' health for a long cup run, and I'm not a fan of playoff Grizz. Two valid points right there. Mm-hmm. I will say, I will say that I have been more comfortable with uh, Brandon Carlos' game as of late. He seems more physical, more apt to be in those dirty areas. Um, and a little bit of an upside when you come about offensive uh, capabilities to transition out a little bit. More or less, I've always seen Carlo as being that pass guy and not the guy that takes a couple big strides to open up the ice and see where he can, you know, find a lane. Uh, but, you know, we really haven't seen much of Carlo's game in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I know that people do not like the Grizzly playoff because you don't want an under six body out there against you know harder heavier teams that are 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 are, you know already have a playoff type of lineup when it comes to physicality and and how to wear you down so yeah i don't know it's just going to be an interesting interesting um deadline to be honest with you and if 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 other teams find grizzly attractive and and there's a deal to be done for a bigger body kind of Maybe a stay at home, but I'd also like to, you know, Grizzly might not be awesome defensively, but what he does offensively kind of makes up for, you know, I, I like his puck moving. I like the way he can pop quarterback a power play too and so on. But, you know, I do understand the narrative out there that we just need a bigger body back there. He reminds me a lot of Tory Krug, honestly, when he yeah. was here. He reminds me, uh, granted, Tory Krug had more point production and, was given more ice time on the power play than Grizz. Grizz is the se- on the second power play unit, but he reminds me a lot of Tory Krug, undersized defenseman. Uh, really, but it makes up for it with his offensive game, like you said. And just piggybacking on Carlo, 
I feel like his confidence is really high this year. Like he's given more opportunity to be a part of the offense. He had a really sick snipe when he joined the rush. He's been joining the rush a lot as a defenseman this year and really like what I've seen from his confidence standpoint. And the big thing is right now, and I know it's like fingers crossed, knock on wood, he's healthy. He's healthy right now. And I know in the past he's gotten bad injuries at bad times, but I mean, he's like you said, Mark, he's really impressed in the dirty areas and he's been using a size more to be more physical, which is what we expect out of Brandon Carlo. Cause he's what? Six, five. Like he, he should be tossing the yeah. body around. He should yep. be tossing the body around. He's a big dude. And, Absolutely. As, and as far as defenseman goes, I mean, there's a couple of names out there. Like you have like the Luke Shens on, on Vancouver who are heavy hitters. I mean, I know a lot of people want Jacob Chikrin, left shot defenseman, Arizona, but his price tag might be a little steep. Um, I've heard Klingberg's name. Kling, I wrote an article with Black and Gold about Klingberg joining the team. I mean, but again, like, where does he slot in? Because Clifton's playing really well and Forbert's been playing really well. So, I mean, where do you slot those guys in to the decor without messing up the mold of the team? So it's just one of those questions to early on about where do you yeah, slot it- them in. And it's really hard to like, you know, last year I would have been all for like moving Clifton in a heartbeat. But this year, the guy's leading in block shots and hits. So, I mean, for a third uh, pairing guy like that, big turnaround season for him. Obviously, it's a it's a contract year. You know, um, he's going to want to raise next season if he's going to be able to stick around uh, with the Boston Bruins. Or if the Bruins don't see a fit with him. Uh, in the future, they could he could possibly be moved. I'm not I'm not saying he's going to garner a lot back, but he might right. be an attractive piece for you know a team that's building up for something in in the uh, immediate future. And but you're going to need a roster spot for a play a player like Mason Lowry, who is most definitely not going to be at Ohio State next season. I honestly have a feeling that he is going to sign pro. Um, after his uh, this his sophomore sophomore year, I believe, or his junior year, I could be wrong, but um, you know, could he be the type of Brandon Carlo? And I know it's the NCAA and and the uh, and the um, the WHL are totally different, but is he going to be that type of bigger defenseman? And he's a mobile defenseman; he's good with the puck, can shoot, and you know, great passing lanes and so on. But could Lowry take the same path as as? Um, as uh, Brandon Carlo did back in the day and kind of just go right into the NHL and not bypass the, uh, the American hockey league for one year. I'm always a prospect guy that seems to have a little bit of patience with players. And I like to see him play a full season. And we'll talk about a player that you want to touch on after we talk about the, uh, our show sponsored by online.ag. But yeah, I mean, it's just like the future is so interesting to me in roster positions where people are going to fit because, you know, you got Pasenak that's going to need to be signed this sometime soon. So there's money on your salary cap for next season. Now, are you going to want to move cap out to get a player like low into your NHL roster immediately? Cause he's going to be making under when he signs an entry level deal. It's not going to be for a million, uh, a couple million dollars. It's going to be nine twenty five the standard rate for an entry-level player. And that's a cap-friendly number for a player that can probably come in and be an NHL defenseman next season. Who knows? You know? Yeah. But it's, 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 it's just the way that Don Sweeney 
and Evan Gold. Evan Gold is grossly underrated in the Boston Bruins organization when it comes to salary cap and and that massaging, you know, to be compliant. That's it, you know. So should be interesting. I'm a Cliffy guy. I like him. I like his physicality. I like what he's doing this year. But he hasn't been consistent enough for me to say we need to lock him up for four more years. You know? Right. Right. Definitely a step up uh, from last year, though. Definitely a step up yes. from last year. Absolutely. Why don't we get this out of the way right now and hear from the folks, our our show sponsor, betonline.ag, because they are amazing. And if you want to place a wager, I highly suggest you go to this website and check them out. BetOnline.ag remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NHL, NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline.ag. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline.ag is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your fantastic rewards. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. And it absolutely is. You can go to betonline.ag and use that code CLNS50 to place a future. Like, will David Pasternak score 60 goals? I'm sure there's a line for that. Will a Boston Bruins player, you know, get to a certain amount of points in the season? Will Linus Allmark win the Vesna Trophy? You know, there's so many places that you can go and get your, your action on. But please do it safely. Don't bet the house. Don't bet the farm. Think about your family. Think about your situation and do it for fun. Do it for fun. I'm a big uh, parlay guy. I like to do the parlays at, at like, you know, $10. And all of a sudden you wake up the next morning and you got 260 hondos in your account. Boom. <laughs> it's always a good thing to feel. Good feeling. All right. We are back talking bees with my boy Cam Manning. And he is from the blackandgoldhockey.com website. Just recently joined us. And he's uh, a, a student over at Emerson College. Those uh, Emerson folks are really good. Um, let's hit this one because it's it's a very, very interesting. Um, whoa, where, where did it go? Mary Codd is in the house. Hello, Mary. Thank you very much for tuning in. I appreciate it. You're probably at a Chinese restaurant having those yummy alcoholic drinks right now tuning in. Tell me if I'm right. Uh, where is it? Matt Hunt's in the house. Thank you, Matt. Uh, oh, here it is. Jason, Jason. If Pasenak signs for 11, you only got about 3 million to sign everyone else. Do you think they move out some expensive depth players? And do you think a team could offer sheet Swayman? Now the Swayman talk, I, I really want to touch on. So, Swayman, let's just get right into it. Yeah. He's gonna he's coming off an entry-level contract. He's making under a million dollars right now, and he's going to want to get a pretty significant increase. I'm not talking anything above five. I'm not even talking anything right. above three. I would give him, honest to God, and I'm probably going to get torched 
on this. And please follow me at Black and Gold 277 if you want to rip my shit. Uh, Swayman should be signed to a bridge deal. Two years. No trade protection. Ooh. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm listening. So he continues the year this year. And hopefully they win a cup. That'd be awesome. Two, increase more cap funds for next season. Now, here's what I, I know I'm already going to get torched. But here's the thing is I, I, I like Jeremy Swayman. I think he's going to be a real special goaltender here. But I also think that there's somebody in the depths of the organization that has bigger upside. Oh, yes. Yes. We and that is Mr. Brandon Bussey. Mm. And obviously, uh, he lost a family member today, and I think we shouted him out. Um, maybe maybe we didn't, but if uh, if if we didn't, uh, thoughts go out to the Bussy family. Um, yes, Brandon had Brandon had to leave the organization uh, for the weekend to attend a family matter, and I'm not going to go into those details. But um, huge shout out to that family because they're very nice, and I, I talk on Twitter with his father often, and he's a real nice guy. So. Um, so yeah, so if, if the Boston Bruins cannot get a cup done this season and they really want, and I, I honestly think that next year with the available funds and so on and, and some departures, like say, say goodbye to like, no sex, say goodbye to, um, Craig Smith and so on. Yeah. You're going to free up some money there. You're going to free up some roster spots there. I honestly think that the way Lenius Allmark can go, he's the he's our starting goaltender for the next three years or four or two years, whatever we whatever we have him for. But yeah. I also think that to keep cap numbers low, you bring in a guy like Brandon Bussey as as your backup goaltender and to breed him into being the next number one. Like I said, I really believe in this kid. I've watched a lot of his games. I break down a lot of film. I'm not an expert in goaltender. I was I was only a beer leaguer for 30 years, but still, <laughs> that doesn't have a much a lot of credential, I guess. But when I look at him, he's just really well positioned. And I want to tell folks out there that are that are paying attention right now via the uh, audio listening platform or right here on YouTube. But please subscribe. Do please do us a favor and subscribe. Um, but yeah. I don't care what goaltender we get. If you put them in a room with Bob Asenza and Mike Dunham, who I still continue to be, they are criminally underrated in how they develop goaltenders. I don't care. That goaltender is going to be a really good one. And I'm seeing a lot of great things from a guy like Brandon Bussey. He's only on a one-year entry-level deal out of Western Michigan last season. Brought that team, I think, to the Frozen Four or, or, or Elite Eight, whatever you want to call it. But those two guys, Asenza and Dunham, see something really special in him. And I also believe that they see something special in him that they lost in a player like Dan Vladar, who got traded to Calgary for a third-round pick. I, Lots to unpack there, huh? Yeah, no, really. <laughs> I mean, we got to make the numbers work, and Jason makes a great point. I mean, do you, do you think of the team offer sheet – Swayman. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with your proposition here. I like the, I know you're probably going to get, I know you think you're going to get scolded by me or the people in the comments or on Twitter, but I, you're not going to get it from me because I think that is a brilliant idea. And 
obviously you have more AHL knowledge than I do with Brendan Bussey being a, a stud goaltender. And I've seen some people in the comments, AHL all-star this year. Um, but you definitely, if he's cheaper than Swayman and you have trust that the Bruins can develop the goal, then why not do it and get something back for Swayman? We talk about replenishing the farm system. A lot of teams like, you know, Toronto in the past has had goalie troubles that, you know, and I'm not saying trade them to Toronto, but I'm just saying that like, there's a lot of teams out there that are starving for good goaltending. Edmonton's another team that can't get a stable goaltender. Um, you got to think about some teams that are looking for goalies and Swayman might be a valuable trade chip. He's still very young and he, and he doesn't demand a lot like a lucrative contract. He still has to prove himself worth more than 3 million, 4 million. So I don't know. I, I kind of agree with your proposition here, Mark. I, I kind of dig it. I kind of, I'm kind of all in on this kind of all in. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not glamming for a, a, a move of Jeremy Swayman. It's just, Right. No, things, I, things have things have got to just work out in certain ways, and 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 obviously, if you want to add, you got to give to get. And a lot of right. teams out there are gonna want a young goalie that is not even in his prime yet. And 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 we all know that he can play at the NHL level. Love to keep him around here, but I also see him as an asset to move if needed. I I really I mean besides McAvoy, Lindholm. And Allmark and so on. It's just, you know, I, I don't leave much on the table when it comes to trades. Like if you have a chance to improve your club, you, you got to make a deal that fans are not going to be happy with. And I know for a fact, if you break the goalie hug up, oh my God, this Boston Bruins fan base is going to absolutely explode. I, I, I so want to flirt with a, with a poll because I want to gauge where this Boston Bruins fan base is like, where are you in this? Where are you in this fan base? And like choice A, 2023 Stanley Cup, or choice B, a lifetime of fucking goalie hugs. <laughs> yeah, literally, they love the goalie hugs. I mean, I'm a big oh, fan of the goalie hugs. I'm a big fan of the goalie hugs. But I mean, if we bring up the goalie just, hug to to win a cup, then you know I'm all for it. I just love the pandemonium when a network doesn't show it, like. TNT, you son of bitches, you didn't show the goalie hug. And it's like, oh, <laughs> God, get a grip. But it is funny. Oh my All God, right, let's so get good. back to some of these questions because they are coming in hot and heavy. And we truly appreciate everybody that's chiming in, keeping the content going. I certainly do appreciate it. Uh, where we go. Christopher says McAvoy's been a bit off for a while. What do you think about that? McAvoy being off, I mean, he hasn't been, he hasn't been terrible, but I kind of, kind of agree. He hasn't, he hasn't looked like the same guy. I mean, like, just like, I mean, he's, I don't know. It's, it's tough to gauge with, with him. Cause like, he's not putting up a street, like he's not supposed to be putting up like extremes amounts of points. Like he's, he's a two-way defenseman. He's a he's two-way defenseman. So I think that, you know, McAvoy Hasn't been terrible, but I mean, it does look a little look like a step off. I, uh, it seems to be in the past couple of games, but that's just my view. Much sure. what do you think, yeah. Mark? Maybe you know the defense is kind of as a whole, not just an individual, kind of been up and down for me, uh, particularly in the um, in the uh, Seattle game, and even last night. I mean, the the you know 
the Maple Leafs had a chance to win that game. You know, oh, it was absolutely. just Linus Almack was just like uh, uh, unworldly trying to keep that puck uh, out from crossing that line. But it's a lot of times that I think that teams like the Maple Leafs, that, that high caliber offense can find ways to like find a, a hole in, a, in the Bruins defense and really pick at it to make it more exposed. And I think that that's what we've seen the past couple of games. I don't think it's just an individual thing. I think Max, one of those players that he can go through a stretch of awesome games and then just have one stinker, much like David Pasternak, like David Pasternak last night, I thought was just very lackluster, you know, kind of like, I don't know if he was like totally into it, whatever, but then the night before or, or two games ago, he's posting up, you know, five points and so on. So I'm not worried about the up and down. Every player is going to have a bad game. You're not going to play all 82, you know, impactful games, but Right. You're also not going to score on every, every every game either. Yeah. I mean, Linus Olmark only had to face 21 shots last night, granted, but like they were high-quality scoring opportunities. Like He had to stop William Nylander a couple of times from in the slot. I mean, the goals. I mean, Pierre Engvall, I mean, Linus Olmark will probably want to have that goal back from Pierre Engvall last night, but, I mean, there were some good chances for the Leafs to win that game, like you said, but Olmark stood on his head and made some pretty big stops and some pretty key moments for that team last night. Yeah. And he's been unbelievable, you know. Oh, well, yeah. gives Olmark some love. I mean, the 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 Emily Benjamin story on NHL.com about him and, um, you know, what he went through with his father being an alcoholic and so on and how he wanted to quit hockey to go home and, and, and be more around his father to try to, to try to help. And, and just how that situation just moved around. He comes into Boston this season, you know, a fresh new year after one season of adjustments and so on and, and just lighting it up. You know, I honestly did not see this type of goaltending effort when he was playing in Buffalo. Now I did agree with, he was the best free agent goalie on the market that particular offseason and the Boston Bruins did a solid by locking him up for four years at 5 million. Don't care about the cap. That was a great number. And to have a cap number in your crease under $6 million is not bad in today's NHL. It makes everything else work very cap friendly when Evan Gold has to massage it. So, um, but what he's doing this year is just unremarkable. I've never seen anything like this. I think I said it on, on the podcast last week with Steve Fiorni. It was a little different situation, but in the early 80s, I saw Pete Peters play something like this, but that guy went on a 30, I think a 30 or 31 game winning streak. And it was just unbelievable, but it was not the caliber of what Linus Linus or whatever you want to call him um, is doing this season. It's just, this is just unworldly good. No. Yeah. He's been dynamite. And like I, like you said, the defense as a whole can sometimes look a little shaky in the in their own zone, and especially against those high caliber offenses like Toronto. But I mean, just think about the confidence in the room when you walk in, you see Linus Olmark, and see him like be that brick wall in the back. Just like even if you do have a defensive miscue or missed assignment, or you give up a high scoring opportunity, to know that you have a guy that is Ben lights out like you said in the back just gives you so much confidence to either jump up in the play and know that you have that that solid goaltending in the back to make it make up for a mistake if need be absolutely 
And uh, I want to shout out everybody in the uh, in the chat. We truly appreciate everybody viewing and obviously our podcast listeners. This is Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 313. And we appreciate all the support and everything. Um, if you want to keep this uh, this content train going for today, we do have uh, the live chat is open. So please ask any Bruins-related question from the NHL down to the prospects worldwide. We'll try to do our best to uh, answer answer your questions. And uh, we're just here to talk bees. And it's a beautiful, cold, but beautiful Sunday afternoon here in the uh, Amesbury, Massachusetts uh, studio. Uh, where are you located, Cam? Wakefield, Wakefield, Massachusetts. Oh, nice, nice. It's yeah. not too far from me. I'm up near the New Hampshire border, up near Salisbury and, and uh, Newburyport and so on. No, nice. Very nice. Speaking of uh, prospects, Mark. Oh, you're going to address Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. You speaking go right ahead. Pro- speaking of prospects, I want to hear – I know we talked about this before we went live, but we talked about Fabian Lysel, and I wanted to hear – from an AHL perspective and tracking him throughout this season and just see like what your general assessment of Fabian LaSalle is and where he fits. Cause he's the number, obviously the clear cut number one prospect in the Bruins system um, played for played for Sweden in the world juniors. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on his overall game and overall season he's had this year. I'm definitely not going to sugarcoat his game at the World Juniors. I, I don't think that it was his best effort, but you know, it was a it's a it's a tournament. It's it's. I don't think this is going to ruin his um his development by not having any points in seven games played. Um, it, it, regardless if it was a plus one or not, how many times he turned the puck over. Uh, unlucky with the posts. I think it was three or four posts where he, where he was like an inch away from scoring goals. Um, and predominantly played on a lower line in the, in the Sweden, um, system. So I'm not worried about it. Um, I also, uh, have to like clarify or, or get out that, uh, for the fans, I call them the shiny new toys, toy fans. Um, you know, the, the ones that want to get prospects in, involved in the NHL as soon as possible, that it's just going to take a little bit more time for this player to fully develop. Um, and don't take the, uh, the world juniors, uh, as, as, you know, a, a breaking point or a bust or that narrative is just getting ridiculous. What he's doing in the American hockey league with the Providence Bruins against men of all different ages, bigger bodies that are grinding on him, uh, in the AHL is far better than what you saw against, um, uh, opponents, his age or around his age. He's a point per game player down in Providence. Um, coming back from the World Juniors to uh, to the AHL, um, I wasn't too impressed with one of his games where he gave the puck up uh, three times, uh, and just his skating and his his uh, hands were just off that game. But then the next game, he comes back and he gets an assist and uh, and played much better. So my thing is 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 I I want to see him stay a full year in Providence get the experience he needs um, and stay in Boston over the off season, work with the guys uh, that are going to be in the lineup the following year and, and, and go into training camp and really earn a spot. Um, and, and I think that with the departure of Craig Smith, that might be an Avenue where Fabian Lysel can actually fit right in. 
But watch the Boston Bruins go and like cock block his progression and sign like another guy like Nick Polino. <laughs> Probably. Probably. But, I mean, that would be so Bruins, you know. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a roster spot here waiting for you, but we're going to sign somebody that's going to challenge you. <laughs> so, right. you know, I, I, I have faith in Fabian. I really do. The... The Bruins organization and the player development uh, head up by, um, I believe it's uh, Jamie Langenbrunner. Those guys are always going to be working with players like him. Um, you know, even, even you know, a countryman like um, uh, PJ Axelson, which is the uh, the top European scout for the Boston Bruins, is going to be, you know, that countryman to give him advice and so on. So I think that he's going to be surrounded by a good complement of players and veterans and so on that is just going to, you know, ease them back in. And and trust me, uh, this was just a resume thing for the world juniors. It's not a make a break career thing that he didn't get any points. So just, I don't like the idea that folks, they, they, they use those tournaments as gospel, you know, or, or they use them as saying the Bruins don't prosper, don't, don't draft well because there's only two players in the, in the uh, world juniors. It's just, some of the narratives that fans throw out there is just it's it's annoying, but it's just totally untrue. And you gotta have you gotta have patience. Please have patience on these guys because you know, like like I somebody in the chat said something about John Beecher and what what I believe he could do. I think John's just gonna need a little more time in the American Hockey League, learn the system a little bit more. He's a big body. He's doing different things, and I know he's riding the fourth line center role, sometimes the left side. But let him let him grow and develop like so many others needed to do as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think that just like with these prospects, I know everyone wants to do like just throw them into the fire. Like Matty Beneers was well, Matty Beneers is a is is throwing doing electric stuff for the Seattle Kraken this oh, year, in his second year. The Hingham kid, the Hingham kid is doing great stuff for the Kraken this year. And I know people like Shane Wright's a good example of that too. I mean, you got to like get him experience. He played in the world juniors with Connor Bedard. Um, he actually had a good world juniors, but like also you got to think about him being in the American hockey league and just developing more. I mean, people, people, I'm like one of those people as well. I mean, I, I got to own up to it. I'm one of those people that want to do like trial by like throw him into the fire right away, get Fabian Lysel into the, into the, into the fold. I think his skill level is off the charts. But people don't realize it comes with patience, like you said, like to develop these guys and that having AHL experience, again, all different age groups, different guys that have had pro experience, different guys that have been in there for a while can show Lysel the ropes. So I think that's something that us fans often overlook is that any time. Another, another thing when you – it's like you – a lot of folks just look at stats and they, and they can judge like, oh, this guy's a great player because he's a point per game or his plus minus is through the roof, which I, I always think is a, just a shitty stat. But what folks are not looking at, and I'm, I'm not sure if they, I mean, pay the $7.99 to live stream a game or two and so on and watch Fabian Lysel without the puck. That's the thing that he needs to stay in the American Hockey League for the remainder of the season and learn. He's a European player that just came over to play last season in the WHL with the uh, Vancouver Giants. So he's still relatively new to 200 by 85 ice. He needs where, where bigger ice over in Europe, he allowed to be more creative and so on, which was, which was really good. There was really highlight moments and so on. 
But when the things get tighter to you, you need to learn how to play uh, more defensive. And and I want to see his game progress away from the puck, not just with his skill set with the puck. Absolutely. It's all about it's uh, all about just being a 200 foot player. Absolutely. Jason Olorati comes in and asks, uh, everyone knows about Lysel, but I'm actually excited about Dan's Lockmelis. Not sure about that spelling. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> um, me too. Uh, very creative forward, fast, um, silky smooth. And in, 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 uh, I mean, the guy could stick handle in a phone booth. Um, nice release. Uh, I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play for uh, UMass, the Minutemen next season. That's that's the rumor that he committed to. So uh, I'm excited to have a little bit of local ties to uh, to see him. Maybe if they come to Merrimack College, I can uh, get some media creds and watch some of his games up there. So yes, sir. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Luck Mellis as well, and uh, and hopefully he does well in the AHL. What are, what are your thoughts on another Bruins prospect that actually just started playing with Shane Wright, um, Brett Harrison? What are your thoughts yeah. on, about him? You're a great segue guy. I already like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, Brett Harrison is just um, really turning it up this season. And what a good time for him as well. Uh, uh, most likely going to be the last year of his OHL um, development and uh, he already signed an entry level contract with the Boston Bruins, a three year deal. So that all slides and those contract years slide until he actually gets into the American Hockey League roster. Um, but he's really doing well. I mean, he's even a point per game player um, and and surprisingly doing so good after breaking his leg uh, in the um, preseason. So leading up to this year, he was on the shelf for a while, comes right back in and yeah, for Oshawa, and uh, it does really good uh, with point production. And uh, most recently, he got traded to the Windsor Spitfires, and and in the first game, he scores a goal, the opening goal for the for the Spits, and uh, in a uh, former Boston Bruins forward, Mark Savard team. So you add uh, Harrison, which is a really good, uh, big, good center, and so on. He can also play the wing. Um, and then you add Shane Wright and his talent to Windsor and, and what Mark Savard is doing. They're really going for it. And, and my friend Dom Tiano and co-host here at the Black Gold Hockey Podcast has mentioned uh, that, that um, Mark Savard was interested in talking to the Guelph Storm about getting Matthew Poitra. And, and what wouldn't that be a freaking team to go for, you know, an OHL championship and, and hopefully challenge for a um, – for a uh, 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 called, I mean, not a called a cup, a um, memorial cup, memorial cup, memorial cup. Yeah, no, yeah. Harrison, Harrison's looked impressive, and I see Jason says kid's got a hell of a shot. Yes, not sure yes, if he yeah. does. Yeah, I like, I like the what I like about Harrison a lot too is his cycle game and how he positions himself to receive the puck back to him. So, I mean, he could be a, a really good player along the wall. And like kind of tip a pass or pass it to somebody, but sneakingly he'll go right through uh, the a defensive core of his opponent and just find a way to get open and just boom. He loves that one time. Oh, sorry about that. Had a little bit of a no. Cough. You're good. No, that's all. You're good. You're good. Did that mute? All right. Yes. Yes, it did. We didn't all hear right, anything. Perfect. We didn't hear anything. Good. <laughs> your your ears are still intact. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my. Um. 
let's see here. Um, we did talk about Brett Harrison. We just talked about that. Um, how are you uh, thoughts on TD Garden being named TD Garden for the next 20 years as the bank and the Boston Bruins have come to a long-term agreement? Uh, I think it's good for the city. I think it's good for the area. And I love calling it the TD. You know, it's just, it's real simple. Now, back then, back, I mean, I'm old and so on. And I remember in 1996 when that first came out, it was the Fleet Center. It was the whatever center and, you know, TD Bank North Garden. Oh, it was just so many, so many damn things. But uh, what do you think about the long-term relationship to call TD Garden, TD Garden? Well, I mean, me being on the younger side and 22 years old, that's all I've ever known is the TD Garden being called the TD Garden. So I think that... It be, it's still being that development with the relationship and the partnership with them is great. And I agree. It's short and sweet. And it's, it's a, it's an, it's a symbol of Boston. I think it's just when you're driving down 93 over the Zakem, you see TD garden, just all, just a symbol and icon of the shipping city, up so. to Boston, blaring in the speakers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. I don't know um, about you, but I love the, I love one of my favorite times to go to the garden is around Christmas time where they play with the intro video and the Christmas music and everything during the intro. It's always, it's always electric. It always gives me the chills, Mark. It gives me the chills. It's awesome. It gives me the, one. makes me want to run through a brick wall. Just don't do it with that nice, ugly sweater, man. They're getting yeah, all kinds of dust on it. <laughs> <laughs> no chills on that body. That guy's all dressed up for this show. <laughs> yes. Um, I do want to talk about and give a shout out to um, a legend, a Boston Bruins legend son, um, Chris Bork, who was a uh, a Boston Bruin for a short time and uh, played for the Providence Bruins. And uh, predominantly, uh, his whole career was spent with the Hershey Bears, the minor pro affiliate of the Washington Capitals. But last night, he got his jersey raised to the rafters. Uh, so... Uh, what a great moment. I did ch- I, while I was watching the Providence Bruins game last night, I did have one of these eight screens in the uh, studio here on the celebration of Chris Bork. Uh, it was great to see Ray down there with his family and uh, Chris's kids and, and, and so on. So uh, the Borks were very well uh, represented down there. And, and um, you know, I just got to give credit to those who just ground it out or grind it out on a yearly basis in the minor pros. You know, it's not great money. I mean, some people it's good money. It's not great money like the NHL and so on. But, you know, what these players do to keep the dream alive and to, to still support their families um, is uh, is needs to be recognized. You know, it's not just um, the kids are bust. You'll never be you'll only be an AHL player. It's way more than that. This uh, these are athletes that want to continue to to show that they can still play in the league and, and, you know, open to chances back in the NHL. And I, I give uh, credit to those people that just never give up, you know, regardless of what you are, your size and and so on. It's just don't give up on, on, on your dream. But uh, you know, Chris played in the NHL, he played in the AHL. He even went overseas uh, to get the experience over there as well. So uh, kudos to the Bork family on another Another um, jersey race to the rafters. It's a, uh, you know, it's a really good thing to see that the legacy continued and so on. Absolutely, and just adding to your point about 
journeyman NHL players, AHL players. It's always a feel-good story when those things come out, when you see a 27-year-old, 26-year-old who's been grinding it out in the minors for eight, eight, seven years, and they finally get their shot at the bigs, and they just go around, skate, do that rookie solo lap, and it's just really heartwarming to see those guys get their chance and don't give up on their dreams, which is a good message to send to everyone. So, Absolutely. Sir 50 is in the house. Thank you very much, sir. Um, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, were you surprised that LaSalle struggled somewhat in the recent World Juniors? Uh, yeah, we talked about it a little earlier, sir. Um, yeah, it was kind of sucky not to see him, you know, get those points and so on. But I also, we talked about this a little while ago. Uh, I'm also not on board with with this is going to uh, be a detriment to his his um, his future development in the Boston Bruins organization. I think he's still going to p- play a pivotal role in a year or two, and and I think that patience should be a virtue when you when you're considering a player like this. So um, I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah, I think he's going to be a stud. Still, I think he's going to be a stud. Yeah, you know, I just just give just him all time. Yep. Yep. I, I think yeah, the way he's working right now, I mean, most of the most of the lineup that he's been on was Georgie McCuloff on the left side, Vinny Letary up the middle and Lysel on the right. And, you know, McCuloff's learning off of Letary as, as well as uh, Lysel. So me, I give kudos credit to freaking a player, a veteran player like Vinny Letary, who's also an, uh, an AHL All-Star this year. Uh, all American Hockey League teams have have to um, represent a player. The Providence Bruins have two this year. Brandon Bussey, the goaltender, and he's like in the top five of the league. Really good save percentage, I think above 930, and, uh, um, and a goals against average of 216, and he's got a 12-2 and three record. I mean, he's just really playing well. But Vinny Letary is also that veteran forward that, like is the t- is a perfect example because of his offensive skills. I mean, he's leading the team in points, power play goals, um, and goals, I believe. But he's also lending that experience out to Georgie Mikulov and Fabian Lysel, who are just absorbing all of that stuff. So, you know, it's just some really good things that you see in these kids' development. Now it's got. Now we got to see if this translates to the next level. Obviously. You know, and that's the type of patience that we need to have. If the organization can have the patience and the prospect, then so should the fan base. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Oh, 100%. You my, wanted to hit I, on I this. Want, you wanted to yeah, hit on did this. You, did you I see, see Matt Hunt? Matt Hunt's oh, yeah, Matt, I yeah. I'm sorry. Oh my god, I called him Mike. My uh, uh Matt, I'm totally sorry. I got the joke in my head and I and I released the hounds out of my mouth without even thinking. So I apologize for that, my man, but I'm going to answer this question. Um, anyone watch or listen to Monty's interview on Spitting Chicklets? Great interview. And yes, we did have this teed up on the conversation today during the live stream with my boy, Matt, I mean, Cameron, man. Um, what a great interview. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Spitting Chicklets. I listen every week. Uh, they're, they're approaching 400 episodes. I'm totally a diehard for that freaking program. Um, I love Biz Nasty. I love fucking Ryan uh, Whitney. RA, 
and Grinelli, all these guys, most of them guys are, are Massachusetts guys. So you just got you got to love them and what they're doing yeah. over there at Barstool and all the uh, advertising they're getting. It's just an amazing thing. Hopefully, this podcast will get there sooner or later. It might take a lot longer, but sooner or later, I'd like to see it. But um, what a great interview! And you could just tell by and I'm spoiling it for you, Cam. I know That's you okay. haven't. That's I know okay. you haven't seen the video or heard the podcast yet, so I'm sorry, my man. But uh, just a real real players coach and you can actually see that in the interview he was not robotic he was just real comfortable and he was just sitting there with one of the guys and i actually think that by hearing that and i i, I could listen to him for hours i mean seriously for hours talk um i don't like the numbers though numbers are weird when he does like the lineup and so he's like oh 75 and 6 and 78 are working together i'm just like can you please say forbert and clifton but anyway <laughs> I'm not gonna, you know, you know, uh, I'm not gonna speak bad about uh, Jim Montgomery. He's he's a good guy, but um, no, the interview was amazing, and, and like I said, you just get a real sense of of how he is behind the bench. And speaking behind the bench, I love the camera angles when the Bruins are potentially about to score a goal, and when they do score a goal, the camera angle down the bench, you see Montgomery getting all pumped up along with the assistant coaches. That's something on the bench that you didn't see last year, you know. It was a lot of like, we just got out of our casket kind of movement. Like I'm stiff. I don't do anything. I don't show any emotion. Those, those guys behind the bench and behind the scenes are acting like they are players on the bench. You know, they're just like one of the guys. And I, I love the message that he's, that he came out with. He says, you know, when players make mistakes, we allow them to make, have them make the adjustments go out for a shift or two to try to figure it out. Obviously, if they don't figure it out by then, you know, you're going to get sat, whatever. But he's giving the opportunities to go out and correct yourselves instead of just, you made a bad turnover passing act, you're sitting, you know? So I just like the way that he communicates. And we, we can see it in the lineup, you know, what we're seeing. We, we, this is a 33-win year. We have 70 points at the halfway mark. Our Goal differential is plus 66. It's absolutely disgusting what's happening. And I really believe that it's the message from him that is relating to the veterans, making them feel youthful. And it's relating to players like Jake DeBroskin and, and Trent Frederick, who he said in the offseason he expected to have bigger years this year. And look what happens. It is. The message is just being received from all levels, and it's all one common goal, you know? So I like, I love the interview. It just made me feel real comfortable to sit there and be like, this is the guy that, you know, I didn't even know about much. I knew about the the mishaps and this and that, whatever life goes on. We all make mistakes, but, but over the off season and into the early parts of the year, players that are interviewed on podcasts, when they talk about him, there's like, you know, St. Louis lost a really good coach. They lost a really good communicator. And that's the benefit that we're getting right now. And we're seeing the accolades being spread out on this season that is just basically, you know, an unreal one. I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Help me out, Cam. Yeah, well, I can speak for myself at the very beginning of this whole process when the Bruins did fire Bruce Cassie after getting bounced by Carolina in the first round last year. I was up in arms. I was like, 
why are we firing Bruce Cassidy? He was a great coach. He still is a great coach doing well with Vegas this year. He got a job like less than a week later, which was not surprising in the slightest. Bring in Jim Montgomery. And I know he had some problems early on in his adult like coaching career with Dallas. Um, and I was like, I was a little question, like questioning whether this would be a good move or not, but it's paid significant dividends for guys like Jake DeBrusque, who was unhappy, requested a trade. And I'm not sure if it was largely due to Cassidy's method of coaching or if he lost the guys in the room, but Jim Montgomery has panned out and paid significant dividends for this team. And I'm Jack Adams candidate in my, in my mind, clear Jack Adams candidate first year coach for the Bruins leading them to this amount of success with the guys. And I can't be more, I couldn't be more happy for him just coming into this role. And like, I, I watched the video last night of Poshnok scoring on Matt Murray and he just jumped up fist up standing on the yeah. bench. Cause he was, he's a shorter guy and he's oh, sitting yeah. up over there. He's standing up above those tree trunks of players. And it was really awesome to see emotion and the smile and everything. And just having a diff- different viewpoint for a change, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just amazing on how that, and, and I got to agree with you too. I mean, I, I wasn't, uh, bent on them, the Bruins getting rid of Cassidy. I knew it was going to happen sooner or later because if you if you look at the trends, the coaches in the NHL, their shelf life is very minimal. I mean, the average is like three years, basically. You know, so to have Bruce Cassidy for six years was it was a was a blessing to be honest with you because you know his last year was a fifty one win season and and before that it was forty eight whatever. So he was always putting uh, a productive. Uh, and competitive team out there when you look at the lineup. But, you know, to go that extra mile, I think this is what had to be done was the change in the voice and what everybody's hearing. And I think a a more youthful coach uh, was needed to, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, not only get what you can out of your veterans, but also get what you can out of the next core that are, that are really knocking on the, um, on the door to get NHL time, like your McCulloughs and Lysels and Letaries and Copenins and, and so on, you know? Um, I think that is a great transition. And I said the same thing years ago, when basically when he started this podcast, when Bruce Cassidy became the coach, was this is a great time to get Cassidy in here because the fact is that he was with a lot of these Providence Bruins for six years. And he basically, you know, grew those guys into the system and so on. So when his uprise to the NHL level after taking over for fired uh, head coach Claude Julian, I think it was good because now he had some camaraderie with the with uh, some former Providence Bruins players that he trusted and so on. You know, but um, you know things things change. People, uh, coaches don't last in the league twenty years anymore. It's just it the message gets stale and you need to revitalize your, your lineup and, right. and do whatever you can to just get an extra, extra 10% out of everybody on a, on a regular night. This is a nice extra breath of fresh air to just have this guy, the way he speaks. It sounds, I'm going to go listen to the interview right after this podcast is over. Cause I want to hear, cause like I've seen some of the quotes on Twitter from him and it seems like he's very responsive to his players, lets them make the mistakes like you said and adjust accordingly. So I think that's something that, as a coach, when you relay that message to your players, that gives the players an extra boat of confidence, knowing that your bench boss knows that you can make mistakes and make up for them. So I think that's really 
his message has really come across the entire team. It doesn't hurt to have guys like Bergeron and Felino, two experienced veterans and two more of the well-respected players in the league in your locker room as well. So, and not only that, shout out to like John Gruden coming on as a brand new, uh, you know, defensive coach uh, for the Boston Bruins. He's been around for a long time, and um, and and you know. I honestly didn't think that John Gruden would make a big significant impact, but he obviously did with his words, like the next man up mentality because Grizzly was out for a little while. McAvoy was out to start the year. You know, we didn't really know how this defense was going to look in the early parts of, 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 you know, this, this campaign because of those losses, but it seemed like a person like John Gruden got the best out of the healthy players that were in the lineup. Uh, in the beginning of the year and really push forward to what we're seeing today is, is it doesn't matter where you are in this lineup. If you are, if your numbers being called, you got to get out there and do the job. And we're seeing the benefits of, of, of good communication, whether it be from the offensive coach of uh, Jim Montgomery to the defensive coach of, of, um, of uh, John Gruden and even complimentary staff of Joe Sacco and also um, uh, Chris, Kelly. Kelly, Chris, Chris Kelly. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, no. I mean, just look at a not... guy like Lindholm, look at a guy yeah. like Lindholm who played unbelievable. I think like he was the guy, he's the saving grace of this team at the beginning of the season. Like we said, when McAvoy was out, Grizzly was dealing with injuries. Forbert was in and out of the lineup with dealing with an injury. I mean, Lindholm stepped up big time this year and has played dynamic ever since we acquired him from the ducks last year. And that's just another guy beneficiary of Gruden's system as well as Montgomery. So I think he's taken a really big step up this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's all, I mean, it's, it's so hard sometimes to nitpick at, at this Boston Bruins organization. When you look at the standings, it's like, you know, yeah, there could be some uh, players that could have better games, but then you see what happens when they, when they readjust and they, and they, and they go out and play a better effort. It's just, you know, I don't think this Boston Bruins team has uh, lost two games in a row. I think that once think, they've lost, I think that once they've lost that one game, the next game is always that bounce back. We got to get back on track here and this and that. Yeah, I looked at the statistics last time, put it in my post game report that the Bruins are nine zero and zero. You're right, Mark. They're nine zero and zero following a loss th- this Absolutely. year. Always and, uh, rebounded. Folks, Folks, go to blackandgohockey.com and 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 read this gentleman's freaking um, uh, articles. Does a very good job. Uh, did a good job on the post game. Sorry, I got to it so late. I passed That's out okay. last night. That's okay. <laughs> You're preparing for this. You're preparing for this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, um, good. Anything else you want to talk about, or anybody else in the chat want to jump in with another question? We're going to be wrapping up here in probably another twenty minutes. Um, if we do not get a, um, any questions, um, we'll probably end it a little early, but the Providence Bruins, uh, are playing the Hartford Wolfpack at three o'clock and I'm covering that game. So, um, lots of things to do today. So I got to get the, the Providence Bruins lineup out there. I, I'd like to do the, uh, the, 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 uh, lineup card on my own, uh, get all my information from the Providence Bruins directly via email. So, I got some uh, some homework to do before the game, and um, but please uh, ask us uh, any questions. Even Cam, if you have one, you can go for it as well. Yeah, I'm wondering 
I know we've had discussions about specific players during the trade deadline, and like we've had a couple of BNG writers write about some speculations and everything. What are you guys hearing on the Jacob Chikrin front? Is he a realm of possibility, or is that someone that you talk about giving up the farm for just to suit? I mean, he's a left shot D man, Arizona young, under team control for a couple of years. Have you heard anything about on the Jacob Chikrin front potentially for the Bruins? Needing a name on the radar? Um, I think he's always going to be somebody that the Boston Bruins are going to keep tabs on. Um, but in my opinion, I'm going to have to look at cap friendly real quick because, um, I need to know, um, if he's went uh, actually how many more years he has, uh, to go, uh, yeah. Arizona Coyotes. It figures that they're at the bottom of cap friendly. Um, <laughs> Chikrin. So he's got three years remaining and he'll be a UFA. And he's currently making four point six million a season. I don't know if a team like Arizona is going to want. I mean, just just the term that he has left on his contract is going to probably garner a first round pick, possibly a second, a player. I uh, you know it's it's a. I don't steep know for me. Price. It's, yeah, it's a steep asking price because of the term he has. It's not just that he's he's on a one-year deal, you know, where we can right. shift like a, a second-round pick, maybe a high-end prospect, and then a, a player. But I, I just – I don't know. Um, I would love to see a type of player like him. I would even – I wouldn't even mind seeing a player like Carl Ling, uh, Klingberg. Yeah. You know, it's just a big guy, shutdown guy, moves the puck pretty decent. And I don't think that his graph is all that bad because those graphs are coming in a three-year time frame, and he's been in Arizona. So I always give the player the benefit of the doubt to change those graphs with new scenery. You know, that plus-minus is going to change. His defensive aspect of the game is going to change because the system has changed. So, right. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think a Jacob Chikrin contract, I mean, a deal, a trade, would be more realistic if it was on his last year of his deal. And like the Carolina Hurricane, the Arizona Coyotes are forced to like make a move because of that one year. I don't think they're forced to do anything right now. And I think that they're, whether or not the player asked for a trade, they're going to want a boatload to get him back because he's got, you know, that leverage, those three years of extra time, that's all leverage to another team. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But I also don't want to give up players or picks um, for uh, rentals either. And yeah. pretty much that's like a Carl Klimberg freaking situation, you know, or even yeah. even the, the unrealistic idea of, of Patrick Kane. That that's yeah. that's that's a that, that is purely a rental thing for you to want to get going. Let's touch on Patrick Kane, shall we? Shall we? Yeah, let's do it. I don't believe that he is going to be traded. This is his last year, but he's going through somewhat of an injury. And per Elliot Friedman, a couple times on the 32 Thoughts, the podcast with Jeff Merrick, um, it's been rumored that they want to shut him down or assign him to an extra year to stay with the Blackhawks shut him down, have the surgery, come back next season healthy, and then 
there's a there's a a little bit of term like a year that he could that the Chicago Blackhawks management can throw to another organization, a competitor, and say, hey, if you want him, he's healthy now. He's got a little bit of term you can deal with. I think if you want to get Pat Kane, you wait till the, uh, it's cheaper price next season. Yeah, because he's last year of his ten million dollar contract, right? So Chicago would have to eat a significant amount of cap for a team to acquire him, unless you're like Anaheim, who's barely, but like Anaheim's not competing this year. So, um, yeah, um, but that's also Cam. That's also real money. You got to think that AAV does not change, right? Right. You know, you might get a cap. You might get a little bit of abatement because we're halfway into the season. So his actual money is going to go down to basically nothing. But the AAV doesn't change, which is sad. Right. Yeah. That. What do you what are your thoughts on Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane's teammate in Chicago? Do you think also same situation? He's got 10, one year, 10 million dollars left. Um, do you think he fits anywhere that goes anywhere or? I don't know. He'll probably end up going somewhere else. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Boston. I think that um, by the Bruins locking up uh, Pavel Zaka for the next four seasons and that option of him being uh, a center up the middle in the future uh, with a departure of Krejci or if Bergeron doesn't come back and so on, I think that kind of nullifies any any thought of a, a player like Jonathan Taves that who is a predominant center and a former Selkie Trophy winner. Uh, coming to the Boston Bruins. I just don't see it with all the logistics when it comes to the salary cap, how much he's making. Um, and I think he would definitely add value, but I don't. I just don't see it happen when you think about um, the salary cap. No, yeah. Those guys were on lucrative contracts, so you got to figure that in there. And the Bruins don't have that much wiggle room in terms of cap space, do they? I think in terms of trade. All right, so well, – so, what's the, what's so the next, cap situation? All right. So the cap right now on uh, capfriendly.com has them. Today's cap space is $82,000. Current cap. I'm sorry. Current cap space is 4 million. Deadline cap space is 4 million. Today's cap hit is $82,000. Yeah, so not a lot of wiggle room. No, not at all. And. If you sign Pasternak to an extension this year, there's a, a rumor out there. I think it was by Bruins Cap Space on Twitter. They, that guy does a fantastic job. Um, said that the Bruins will have $4 million in cap space for next season. Uh, a little bit of wiggle room to sign Krejci, um, Bergeron, if they want to come back. Um, uh, Trent Frederick needs a deal. Swayman, if they but- want to sign him, right? Yeah, Swayman, uh, Krejci, uh, Noshek, Craig Smith. We're not bringing back. No way is he coming back. No way. What's going no, on? No way. Who knows what happens with Connor Clifton? But the defense. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, Jacobs Borrell is signed for another year. Um, regardless, to it, it should be interesting to find out what happens to him this off season, but. Everybody else is pretty much all locked up. So our defense looks pretty good. Um, and then obviously your goaltending. We're all set right. there. But it's yeah. Just the forward group with Bergeron and Krejci being the unknowns if they want to come back, depending on how this the season turns out. Yeah, and not only that, it's 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 
um, what are you seeing down in Providence? What is Ryan Mugenel, the head coach, and Trent Whitfield and Matt Brown, oh, Matt Thomas, uh, seeing from that group down there that is predominantly free agent signings out of the NCAA? And, um, you know, um, some other players that they've gotten along the way, like Luke Toporowski. I think he's a fantastic forward, kind of taking a dip on the uh, offensive production lately. But um, I, if I'm not mistaken, any team can come in and actually give him an offer uh, from the because he's on an AHL only deal. It's a two year deal. So he's got one full season left. But after a certain time frame in January of this month, a team can come in and make him an offer and the Bruins have the right to match. Mm. So I don't know where that's going to go, but um, you know, there's there's some pieces down in Providence that could that could rise to the top if if uh, NHL time is needed. But I also think that we still need to replenish the prospect pool, and I'm not I'm not good I'm I'm just not good with giving away a first round pick. I just yeah. I don't, I don't want to see that happen. Like yeah. Sir said, Sir Sir fifty. Really don't want to give up another first-round pick. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I think that, I mean, just like, just you need you need to replenish the prospect pool. You just really, like, it's in the bottom half. Like, they're in the 30s, like you said. Like, these these writers are writing them in the 30s. I mean, outside of Mason Leroy and, and Fabian Lysel, I mean, they don't really have that much going on in terms of depth. Yeah, not much at all. But I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not like the prospect ranker of the 32 and so on. Do I believe they're high? Yeah, I, I could probably get get them at 26 or 27 because they're not. They're not developing like homegrown prospects like they drafted and so on. That right. they're more the lineup is all sustained of just those free agent assets that. I will give tons of credit for the uh, the Boston Bruins um, scouts when they're looking at players like this. I mean, I mean Brandon Bussey out of Western Michigan, one solid year, huge kid, tremendous upside. I mean, that's that's on the scouts finding that guy and believing in him, and then asking uh, coaches like Bob Asenza and Mike Dunham, "Hey, could you work with this in the future?" You know, it's just it's a really good caveat to have. Probably not a great word right there. It's all right. All right. Um, To Jason. Jason says, I think they buy out Riley and trade one of Grizzlick or Forbert next year to create cap space. Interesting. Yeah. If they were going to buy out Riley, I think they would have already done it. But Yeah. I'm not sure about the Forbert. I like I like DF. I like yeah. him a lot. You know, shout out to Darler's dog. Um, <laughs> but, but I do think that Forbert is uh is he's a good penalty killer, you know, and he's big body I think, back um, there. Yeah, I think someone in the comments earlier said, and I agree. Yeah, Christopher Briggs, the Ghost Rider, said when the Forbert was out, the PK suffered a lot, and he's right. Yeah, I think they went Absolutely. down. I think they went down. 20% if they were they were at 96% when he was out there and 77% in his absence when they were my numbers could be off but right. he, he, nonetheless he made a significant impact when he's out there on the penalty kill him and Carlo are your best deep pairing penalty killers 
they really just like the nonverbal communication and the way they block shots, get in the passing lanes. Derek Forbert's been having a monster of a year. And I don't yeah. think we should move on from him. All right. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up because I got about a half an hour to get ready for the Providence Bruins game. I do want to remind everybody here that's on the um, the YouTube video channel. I, I appreciate you guys being here. Please uh, subscribe to the channel and hit the um, notifications bell when you see a uh, new video or a new podcast episode um, that we're released. Um, we'd certainly appreciate that. We do have a Patreon account. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash black and go hockey podcast and you donate $1 per episode. And what that $1 does per episode is half of that 50 cents helps pay the, um, the bills here and the sport and the black and gold uh, production sports media company. And the other half goes into buying great hand signed items for you to win every month. And this month, which is January at the end of the month, we're going to be giving away this hand signed Jerry Cheever's Jersey, the true number 30, the real number 30, fully authenticated hall of fame. Awesome signature. This is all for a dollar folks. So please go to patreon.com slash black and go hockey podcast and donate $1. We'd certainly appreciate that. I, we, we work with uh, Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, and he gets all these jerseys. He had a signing with, um, uh, I almost want to call him Randy McQuaid, but that's an actor. Adam McQuaid, he had a signing with, and I'm going to buy a jersey to give away, an Adam McQuaid jersey. But he also had a Sean Thornton signing, a private signing with Sean, and I'm going to buy one of those jerseys as well. So lots of great things coming up for our giveaways. Uh, we just want to say thank you to those who um, who support us financially and also get them involved into uh, saying thanks in, the, in these giveaways. And um, I am going to be sending out packages soon. Things have been crazy, folks. I know it's been a couple months, but I have your items. They're all listed, and I promise I'll get them out. But uh, between COVID, family issues, and, and trying to run a sports media company, my time has just been very limited because I'm training great folks like this guy over here to be <laughs> an awesome writer at blackandgohockey.com. Um, with that being said, I do want to say thank you very much, Cam Manning. Follow Cam Manning at Cam underscore Manning 133. Uh, you, you've been a really great asset to this team thus far. And I uh, really appreciate you reaching out saying, hey, if you need a, a, a person to talk to, I'd love to come on the program. We will definitely um, have you back on when Steve Forney comes back. We'll make plans to have you on because uh, really, really good sit down today. And, and you, your knowledge uh, has really come out. And um, I appreciate it. Absolutely, Mark. Thank you so much for having me on today's episode. It was great. Remember to hit that subscribe button, hit the notifications button. Any support would be great. Any That's support awesome. would be amazing. He's such a good tire pumper. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, sir. Matt Hunt, Jason Larati, uh, Mary Carter, all the great folks who have been here tuning in. We will do these more often. If you want, please reach out on Twitter. You can follow me at blackgold 277 uh, send us an email, whatever. If you want to see more live streams, we'll do it. Uh, but I, I mean, I would love to do this once a week, but it's just hard to get people together when everybody's uh, working so much and in, in school and so on. But um, with that being said, I'm your host, Mark Allred. That's Cam Manning. This is episode 313 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please 
Uh, give us a follow, subscribe on all listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the good worldwide listening platforms. We truly appreciate it. We are heard all over the world, and um, we appreciate that. So um, please have a safe and happy week. And uh, go bees tomorrow. It's Martin Luther King Day. It's an afternoon matchup. And um, hopefully, wait a minute, Cam. Don't go anywhere. Let me check. Let me check. All right. So it is 24 hours. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like your media credential got accepted. That's okay. That's okay. I'm sorry, my man. But don't don't give up. If you want to place, if you want to get another game um, in mind, and don't give up on this either. They might be just running a little late, but normally it's 24 hours before the game. I'll get an email of acceptance. But um, if you want to pick another game, let me know. Just keep it within 72 hours, you know. But uh, Sharon Dietz in the house. Sharon, thank you very much for the great hockey talk. I appreciate the kind words. We love you. And, um, with that being said, I got to get ready for the Providence Bruins game. Yeah, go do that. And, all right. Uh, th- thank you very much, everybody, for tuning into the live stream. We'll do it again more often. But uh, that is episode 313 brought to you by betonline.ag. Please use the code CLNS50, folks. Take care. Peace out. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.